Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're talking about the reign of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the fact that Jesus is coming back. We pointed out that he said he was coming back. Jesus said he was coming back. At the ascension, the angels said he was coming back. Paul said he was coming back. James said he was coming back. Peter said he was coming back. The Bible says he's coming back. He's coming back. (laughs) He is. Glory to God. And James says that the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's at hand. We need to take that seriously. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And in another place, Paul said, if you know that, what manner of life are you to be living now? If you know he's coming back, glory to God, he is. And we're going to be gloriously caught up to be with him. Amen. We read a lot of scriptures along that line this morning. Amen. So tonight I want to, uh, we won't read all of those. But uh, let's read James. That was our primary text this morning. James chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse number seven seven says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See, that means to observe, to take notice of, give attention to, pay attention. Take note how the farmer, that's just talking about an ordinary farmer, Farmer John, how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. In other words, the farmer plants the seed, prepares the ground, plants the seed, cares for the land, makes sure that it's adequately watered if it doesn't rain enough, and he's waiting for the harvest. That's the whole reason for the seed. He didn't just plant the seed because he got up one morning and didn't have anything else to do. When he planted it, he had a harvest in mind. And so the waiting patiently is waiting with expectation. It's it's not just being lazy. He's watching over that seed. He still has things to do. He plants, the Bible says, one plants another waters. God gives the increase. It's It's the sower's job to the planter's job, the farmer's job to plant the seed, but then to also watch over it, to water it, to care for it. Keep the weeds out. Amen. Jesus talked about the sower sowing the word and some people the word is sown in their hearts but then the weeds come up. Well, they didn't have to come up. The person who's, in whose heart the seed was sown could have gotten rid of the weeds. If you don't get rid of the weeds in any plot of land, they will snuff out the crop. They will overcome the crop. It can happen. Well, it can happen in our lives. If you don't get the weeds, you don't get the tares, you don't get the other things that Jesus said entering in, cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, the the desire for other things, and boy, that could just be in a, a long list of anything that is, that is more important to you than your relationship with the Lord, your participation in the things of God. Somebody said, well, it's just me and the Lord. I, you know, I don't need anybody else, just me and Jesus. No, that's not true. When you were saved, you were made part of the body of Christ. It is impossible to fully experience Christ in isolation of his body. 
It's impossible to fully experience Christ in isolation with his body because we are one. Praise the Lord. So it's not just your relationship to God. It's not just your relationship with Jesus. It's not just your relationship this way. It's your relationship this way because we're all members of one body. And God has put things in us for the body. And in order to really be watching and patiently waiting to do that, that, that involves being busy. In other words, the, the patient part is not being anxious, but being, but being steadfast, but busy in the things of God, the work of God. The work of God. You, do you understand that the primary work of God goes on in the local church? The primary work of God in this world goes on in and through the local church. I'm going to say that again because it didn't get a lot of, everybody's just scratching their head on that one. The primary work of God in the earth is going on through the church. So you got a lot of amens there. But the church is the local church. The universal church doesn't hold meetings. The universal church doesn't send out missionaries. Universal church has never held a gospel crusade. It's all the physical church, the local church. Amen. That's where ministry takes place. Praise the Lord. I'm a big believer in the local church. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I understand the Bible. Well, praise God. He said, pay attention to, observe. Take notice of how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it. Until it receives the early and the latter rain, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Notice that in connection with the return of the Lord, there is the, the mention of the former, the early and the latter rain and the harvest. Glory to God. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea 6. Now we're going to look at, a, at another verse here in a few minutes, but I want us to look at this verse. Hosea 6, look at verse number 3. Let us know. I like to know things. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. You won't have the knowledge of the Lord if you don't pursue it. It's not just going to hit you in the forehead walking down the street. Let us know. Let us pursue knowing. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Now notice, pay attention. His going forth. Now what does that mean? His going forth. The way God moves. The way he conducts himself. The way God operates. The way God shows up. What he does. His going forth is established as the morning. How well established is the morning? I guarantee you are, you've got a lot of things planned based on the morning. And the morning has never disappointed you. You might have been disappointed in other things about the morning, but the morning has never failed to come. Amen. Throughout history, that sun's coming up in the morning, whether you're ready or not. 
if you like it or not, if you if you if you want it to or not, the sun's coming up in the morning. It's established. God established some things to give us a window of how sure his things are. His going forth, this verse says, is established as the morning. In other words, you can count on his operation. It's established. It's not going to change. Now turn the page. The rest of that verse says, he will come to us like the rain. Like the latter and the former rain to the earth. God's ways, his going forth is established. It's as, it's as sure as the morning. It's just as sure as, the, as anything you know that his going forth, he will come to us like the rain. That's a principle. That's a, that's a truth. You can look at the rain. Every time it rains, it can remind you God rains on his people. He comes to us like the rain. His going forth is established just as sure as the morrow, tomorrow or the morning rather, and he will come to us like the rain. Well, praise the Lord. Go back over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 and let's look at the history of the rains and how God used them to illustrate things and how, how he used the rains in the natural and the principles that are contained in this. Deuteronomy chapter 11 Verse 10 says, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come out, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess, that's the promised land, is a land of hills and valleys which drink water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it. You think he's taken his eyes off of that land? Not for a second. Not for a second has God taken his eyes off of Israel, off the land. Amen. His, the, he says, uh, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Throughout all its seasons. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commands, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then... The Lord said, I will give you the rain for your land in its season. Notice there are seasons. And there's different rains for different seasons. I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain. Now we pointed out this morning that the early and the latter rain referred to the early rain came in the springtime and the planting time. It might have been the fall. It might have been winter crops. I, it's been a long time since I studied this, but should have done the homework before I preached this. But anyway, the, the early rains came at planting time, okay, to get the ground ready. You know, it's hard, it's hard for, for uh, crops to take off in dusty ground. Isn't that right? So the, the rains came to get the ground ready. It was, it's a lot easier to till the ground and to break it up and to, and to get the stones out of it and so forth when, when it's loosened up, when it's got some rain. That's why you need the Holy Spirit moving in your life because it helps you get the rocks out. Amen. Those things that, that, cause the, that keep the word from taking root in you. Jesus talked about that. Some people, the, the word is sown on stony ground where it doesn't have a lot of depth of earth because of the rocks and the stones. Well, the, the, the rain came so that they could prepare the ground properly and it would be ready to receive seed and so they would plant. 
And, uh, you know, the, the rains, there would be normal rains, I suppose, during the year. But he, he really didn't talk about the, the regular rains. He talked about the early rain and the latter rain. He said, I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock. See, the, the, the early rain came, like I said, to get, uh, to prepare the land, the ground, the soil for the farmer to plant a seed. And then it would grow normally during uh, the times uh, of the crops growing. But at harvest time, as the grain came up out of the ground, as the, as the uh, 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 seed really began to, to, to produce and begin to grow, you, you could see the grain in the ear. But that latter rain would come right at harvest. Just in the days and weeks just before, it would just begin to rain, much greater than the early rain. And the purpose was to, to cause the grain to fill out, to become rich and full and juicy. Amen. And it's associated with harvest. Amen. And it was, James was talking about harvest, wasn't he? Yeah. He said, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. That's talking about harvest. Amen. Now let's go on here. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Take heed, church, that you, that you don't become uh, worn down with other things. That you're not taken over by the cares of this life. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Oh, I would never, I would never turn away from God and worship him. Really? You might not have a, a golden image that you bow down to, but is, but is, are there other things in your life that you have a choice sometimes? Well, I'm going to obey God or I'm going to do this and you do those other things. Well, that just, that just became an idol to you. Amen. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. But there's a reason why we don't have as many church people in church on Sunday nights. We do Sunday morning. It's been the same reasons for as long as I've been a pastor. Do I have to tell you that reason? in the context of what I'm talking about? I don't have to. Amen. Well, praise God anyway. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. Thank God we're not living in the time of his anger. But that day's coming. That day's coming. God has a right to be angry. He has a right to be angry. God has wrath that is being, that's building up and it's just and righteous wrath. And the day's coming when that wrath is going to be poured out. We need to warn men. Amen. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. Notice, generally speaking, the rain, now he's talking about natural rain. Here he didn't compare it spiritually, but we know to do that from the other scriptures. But you can see generally that rain is considered a blessing from heaven. It's sent from God. Jesus said God sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Isn't that right? So that's a blessing. We also see that the absence of rain is a curse. It's an absence of blessing from God. So that's, that's pretty clear. And uh, then we look over at, and we saw this this morning, Isaiah. Said I wasn't going to look at all these scriptures, but maybe I am. Isaiah 44. Verse number three says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. 
I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Here, water is given as a symbol of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said, I will pour water on you, on him who is thirsty. Floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit. So his spirit is, the water is used to, to illustrate the spirit being poured out. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Out of his innermost being, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Glory to God. And this he said concerning the spirit. Isn't that right? Isn't that what John chapter 7 says? But this he said concerning the spirit who had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified yet. But thank God it happened. Happened on the day of Pentecost. The spirit was poured out like water. Glory to God. So water is a type of the Holy Ghost and so is rain because rain is water. Go with me over to uh, the book of Joel, chapter 2. Are you out there tonight? Are you ready? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you dry? I just thought I'd throw that in there. He said he'd pour water on those who are thirsty. Yes, Lord, that's me. Floods on the dry ground. Whoops. Let's be honest. Sometimes we get dry. You might as well say amen. I know I'm not the only one. And if I ever get dry spiritually, it's not because God withheld the water. It's because I withheld fellowship from him. God never withholds fellowship from me, but I've withheld fellowship from him. And you can get dry really quick. You know, we live in Florida and we can have, we can have like we have this summer, we can have weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of rain every day, every day till we almost can't stand it. But it doesn't take very long till you're out there on that mower and it's like you're mowing in Dust Valley. Isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. Joel chapter two. Have you found the book of Joel? Hallelujah. Now we know that Joel was quoted, the book of Joel was quoted on the book, in the book of Acts. Isn't that right? Why not hold your place in Joel. Go over to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. We know what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Amen. And the people gathered together. They were confused because they heard people speaking in their languages and speaking the wonderful works of God. And they said, "Who? how are all these Galileans speaking in our languages? Others, verse 13, said, well, they're drunk. And Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Get a clue, he said, and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the older King James Version, in verse 16, it says, but this is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And that's just a little catchy phrase, you know, that, that I picked up years ago. This is that. It doesn't say this in the, in the New King James. They didn't have the revelation I have. <laughs> so this is what was spoken. I like this is that. This is that. Amen. 
Now go back over to Joel. Now we find that passage that we just read in, in Acts, we find it in verse 28, beginning in verse 28 in Joel. But you know, if you back up just a little bit, that's not all he had to say about the outpouring of the Spirit. Start in verse 21. Fear not, O land. Now you understand that in the, in the Old Testament, a lot of, there, there's the, the, in the biblical rule of interpretation called the law of double reference. And what that applies to is sometimes scriptures will have a local uh, immediate or sort of immediate, it'll have a local in, uh, fulfillment and then it'll have a much far-ranging spiritual fulfillment. And oftentimes the things that are spoken of Israel have an application to the church. Now, there are people who say the church is spiritual Israel. We're not. The church is not spiritual Israel. But the, but the church is walking in a lot of the blessing that God promised Israel. In fact, go over, hold your place here. Go over to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22 says, but you, he's talking to the church, Christians, have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just or righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The point I wanted you to see is the church is called Mount Zion. Well, that's, a, that's the, Mount Zion was in Israel in the Old Testament, right? Let's start back in verse 21. We're in Joel 2. Are you back there? Joel 2, 21. Fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Well, he was talking to Israel, but there's an application to the church because again, the, the apostle Peter by the spirit took this, a section of this very uh, prophecy and applied it to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So we know it applies. Be glad then, you children of Israel, or you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former reign faithfully. Now the older uh, King James said moderately. Is that right? Yeah, moderately. For he has given you the former reign moderately, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. For what purpose? The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Well, how did they get new wine and oil? Because the grapes were growing. It's part of the, part of the harvest. It's not just grain, but fruit. You shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterwards. Now, that sounds like that... He's talking about two different periods of time, like what he had just referred to, and then after that, this is going to happen. But remember where it says it shall come to pass afterward, if you're reading that, remember when, when the Holy Spirit had Peter preach it by the Spirit, he said it shall come to pass in the last days. So that's the time he's talking about. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your own men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He talks about the signs in the, in the heavens. 
Now, those signs that are going to happen in the heavens are going to happen to introduce the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a phrase that throughout the Old Testament and the few times or the, the lesser number of times that it's mentioned in the New Testament, every time it has reference to the tribulation period. Beginning at the, at the, at the beginning of the tribulation, there right on through the time when Jesus comes back in, in power and in wrath to destroy the devils, uh, the, the, put, him, put him in chains and so forth, that, that all of that period is called the day of the Lord, okay? So that's what that's talking about. So these wonders in the heavens and so forth uh, will happen just before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, right, right, right as this is coming to a climax. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, we, that, do you remember that from Romans chapter 10? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You skip down a few more verses, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of this has an application in the New Testament and in the days in which we're living. Talks about the former rain and the latter rain. In a general sense, the former rain, you could say it this way, the, the, the former rain, as far as the Old Testament, New Testament, would have to do with the outpouring, or not the outpouring of the Spirit because he wasn't poured out, but the move of the Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, you had the Holy Spirit moving. All of the prophets and the, and the mighty miracles that happened throughout the Old Testament, they happened by the Spirit through the gift of the working of miracles. Uh, you'll notice if you, if, you, if you look at it this way and kind of examine it, there were much more, there were much greater miracles in the Old Testament than we have in the New Testament. The Old Testament emphasized the miracle power of God. My Lord, you have Moses holding up his staff and God split the Red Sea. Show me that in the New Testament. You had the prophet speak and the sun and the moon stood still for an entire day. And another time, the, the, the shadow on the sundial went backwards. The sun moved back in the sky. Somebody said, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe in God. That's the, the only reason people can't believe that is because they don't really believe in God. If you believe in God who created everything, if he created the sun, the moon, the stars and set all of the laws in motion that controls everything, he can certainly suspend it for a moment or for a few minutes or for a day. Hey, man. See, people that don't believe in God are the most foolish the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See, it, it's, much, it's, a, it's a much greater stretch to believe that everything that we see around us just happened. Just came out of nowhere. You know, we don't know the origin of anything. We don't, it came from nothing. That, that, takes, that takes a stupid level of faith. It's not Bible faith, it's just stupid. I mean, I mean, you really got to stretch your mind to believe that we could sit in this place tonight and our minds, each and every one of us and billions of us across the planet have the capacity to contemplate time and space and eternity. We can turn that over in our heart. And think about God. I mean, my goodness. Forget the flora and the fauna. I mean, I, I look out my window and I see the, the birds, the, the, uh, the hummingbirds and the bumblebees and the, 
and the butterflies just going after that little uh, bottle brush plant that I have outside my study window. And these, God put all this together and these, and these creatures help cross-pollinate so that we all live. And we have bacteria in our gut that helps us consume food and it doesn't consume us. I could go on all night if I was educated enough. And I'm not. If I was educated enough, I could stand here for years and talk about how fantastic this world is and how complex. And it just happened. Anybody that says that and then says they don't believe in God, they're just defying a knowledge of God because they have the, if they can believe that, they can believe anything. It's a whole lot easier to believe in God. Amen. He created everything. Glory to God. So I said all that to say that, you know, that shouldn't be a big struggle that he would stop the planets, suspend the rotation of the earth. I mean, how fast, anybody, how fast, you, you, you students, it's been a long time since I've looked at this. How fast is the planet spinning? Does anybody know? Come on, speak up. Does anybody know how? Come on, guys, aren't you learning anything? You've only been out of school six months. Give them six months off and they lose their brains. They just, everything just gets flushed right out. What? I can't hear you. A thousand miles an hour. Can you imagine if something stopped that was spinning a thousand miles an hour? Everything on the planet would just go slinging off into space. Everything would, be, would just be flattened. And God did it and nobody noticed. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> so there's, there, my point is there were miracles in the Old Testament. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, You'll speak to this mountain and say, be moved, be cast in the sea, and it'll move. But I don't see anybody doing it. We have, we have things like that that actually happened in the Old Testament, <laughs> bigger than that. So the Old Testament was miracles, but as far as the Spirit, God only used a few people. Just a very few people did God use in, in miracles. And most people didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not given to everybody. The Holy Spirit was only upon the prophet, the priest, the king, and, if, and the, those people were anointed by the Spirit, and, and, and there weren't very many of them at, at any one time. And then when God had a special assignment for somebody, he would put the Holy Spirit on them to, to help them fulfill that assignment to do that work. But generally speaking, the, the people they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the time of the Holy Spirit. That was the, you can look at it this way. The Old Testament was a dispensation of the early reign, but the New Testament is the dispensation of the latter reign, the abundant reign. The former reign was moderate, but the later, latter reign was abundant. The Holy Spirit was poured out. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters and even the dumb people are going to be full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, everybody, every, the common man, will be full of the Spirit. Praise God. Even, no, I don't want to do that. Hallelujah. But the New Testament is the dispensation of the Spirit. So the heavier rain, the latter rain, could refer to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. That's just, that's just a way of looking. I'm not saying that you're going to build a doctrine on it. You know, you can't, you can't prove it, but that's one way of looking at it. But it is interesting that he uses this statement here about the early and the latter rain in connection with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Now go over with me to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 10. Verse number one, have you found it yet? Zechariah 
Praise the Lord. Zechariah 10. You got it? Okay. Zechariah 10, ask the Lord for rain. Now notice, here's here's what I want you to pay attention to. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. That's lightning clouds. And will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. That's, that's an abundance. That's produce. That's harvest. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. There is a time that is specifically the time of the latter rain. Praise God. Well, generally speaking, the whole church age is the time of the latter rain. The Old Testament was, could be, could be uh, uh, typified by the early rain, the moderate rain, and the New Testament, because of the massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, could be identified as the time of the latter rain. But there's another way to look at it. The beginning of the church age that compared to the Old Testament, that's the latter rain. But there's another way to look at it. The beginning of the church age, and as great as that was, as it pertains to the church age, that was just the former rain. And how wonderful and magnificent. We love to read about how God was, his spirit was poured out in the book of Acts. Not just in Acts chapter 2, but all through the, the Acts and all through the epistles in that first generation, how the Spirit was poured out. And that was the early rain. But see, at the end of the age, there's coming the latter rain. Because the first generation, that was the planting of the gospel. The gospel first began to be seeded. First to Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and eventually into the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're still in the process of getting that seed to the uttermost parts of the earth, uttermost parts of the world, all over the world. Why? Because God has a harvest in mind. Just like that farmer who's thinking about that harvest. Every time, every time we, we, we speak the word, God's looking at harvest. He's thinking, harvest, come on, come on, put that word out. Get that seed out. Because he knows he will send the rain. Oh, glory to God. He's going to send the latter rain. So the latter rain would be that greater rain that comes at harvest time. Like I talked about this morning, if you were here, I talked about how the population has spiked. I mean, spiked beyond comprehension. Just in the last 150 years, God would be negligent. Jesus would be derelict if he didn't come back and reap this harvest. There's never been the potential in all of human history like there is right now to fill the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Exciting times we're living in. Exciting times we're living in. Praise God. Now, he said something back over in, in uh, Joel, chapter 2. He said, he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former and the latter in the first month. There's a concept here where the former and the latter rain, the early and the latter rain can all fall at the same time. That would, be, that would be more abundant than an ordinary latter rain. It would be the latter rain, which is greater than the former rain, but then add the former rain to it. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. That's what I'm expecting in these last days, just before the Lord returns. I'm expecting the former and the latter rain. In other words, I'm, I'm expecting God to unplug I mean just pour the Holy Spirit out like this world has never seen before. Far eclipsing anything that happened at Pentecost and all of the time since then. 
Glory to God. Is it possible, church? Is it possible? With God, all things are possible. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond and over anything we can ask or imagine. That's our God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Thank God, thank God. The former rain was for planting. The latter rain is for harvesting. Rain is also refreshing. I said rain is refreshing. We talked about that over in in Deuteronomy 11 and in Isaiah 43, how how the the people would be refreshed. Glory to God. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. These parallels are all through the Bible. Acts chapter 3. Peter was preaching... He said, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing, times of revival. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It sounds to me like sin can prevent Times of refreshing. Does anybody else see that or is that just me? Can anybody else see that in that verse? Therefore repent and be converted. Well, I was converted years ago. You might need to get converted again. (laughs) I've talked to some of you. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing by the instruction of the Lord in, in the last few weeks, we, we decided, you know, it's better for us to pray for the church to be ready. We need to make some changes. Instead of just asking for the rain, we need to, we need to get ourselves ready for rain. Because here we have this principle that sometimes repentance and conversion, convert to, to convert is to change. To, 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 uh, to take on a new way of life, take on a new way of thinking. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of revival and refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ask, Zechariah said, ask the Lord for rain in the time Well, we need to do two things. We need to get ourselves ready, but we also need to ask for rain, because he said to. In the time of the latter rain. We know that the end of the age, the return of the Lord, is the time for harvest. That would be the time for the latter rain. We're in the time. We're in the time. It's upon us. So we need to ask for it. We need to ask for laborers. Jesus said to pray for laborers to go out into the harvest. Amen. Now, in closing, I want to go over to uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. In the third chapter. 2 Peter 3. Now, we read this this morning. Now, this whole passage here has to do with the coming of the Lord. Verse 4 said, people walking according to their own lusts and scoffers will say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. If you, if you detect yourself losing sight of his return, if you detect that mentality beginning to develop in you, where you say, well, you know, I've heard this for, and I know that's crossed your mind. Well, we've heard this. Church has been preaching this. I mean, James said, coming of the Lord's at hand all those years ago, 2,000 years ago, and, you know, where is it? 
Everybody's been saying it. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, you can, like other people have said, you can't keep birds from flying overhead, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't keep thoughts from coming from your mind, but what are you, what are you entertaining? If you begin to entertain thoughts like that and begin to think that way and agree with that, you're, you're in with the scoffers. It's not good company. Walking according to their own lust, he said. And they say, where is the problem of this covenant? So don't, don't think that way. Now, with that in mind, he said, beloved, do not forget this one thing. I mentioned this this morning. That, I've never noticed that until this morning. I was looking, I don't know, it just never had resonated on, uh, with me the way it did this morning. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. I mean, that is, that is a very strong, emphatic statement. Do not forget this very one thing. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now, generally, people have interpreted that to mean that, you know, time is, is irrelevant where God is concerned. A day, a thousand years, a thousand years. In other words, with God, he operates outside the realm of time. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, dismiss that. I'd say that's true. But he, he, he is saying it in connection with the return of the Lord. I think that's significant. And he's saying, do not forget this one thing. This is more than just a general, there's more in this than this, just the general concept that God operates outside of time, which he does. But in connection with the return of the Lord, he said, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is, a thousand, is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Well, the promise that's under discussion is the promise of his return. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. That means that God is not, uh, God is not uh, flippant where his promises are concerned. He's not negligent. He doesn't just forget stuff. He doesn't just say things and, and say, well, you know, I know I said that, but whatever. God is not slack. People are that way. He said, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness. But, but well, why does it look like all things continue as they were from the, from the beginning of time? How does it, why does it look like God's not fulfilling his promise? He, here's the reason, he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's looking at that harvest, just like the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, the Lord is, he's harvest-minded. And, that, and, and, he's, and, he's, and he does that because he's long-suffering towards us. Say, but I'm ready to go, I want him to come back. Yeah, but I know people who aren't ready. And, and it's not going to be good for, for Jesus to come and catch away the church for some people because they're not ready. And, and because God is long-suffering, because he's compassionate, because he's interested in, in getting every single person, he wants every bean in here. <laughs> Just like when you're, when you're bringing in your harvest, you know, if you go to the market and you buy, you know, a bushel of peas, I mean, you want all of them. Isn't that right? Some of them get mashed and some of them, you know, don't end up in the pot. But, but that's not what you, you paid for. You want all of this. God wants every pea-picking one of you. He wants everybody. He wants all of us. He wants every single individual he can get to come in. Glory to God. Do not forget this one thing in connection with this that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Go, go with me. Did I say I was going to close with that? Huh? Did I? Well, I, I'm, I was mistaken. <laughs> go back with me to... 
(laughs) Go back with me to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. I'm not slack concerning my promises. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? (laughs) Hosea 6. Did you find it? I wait until some of the kids get there. They're learning their Bible. Amen. Praise God. They're learning to find these texts in the Bible. That's good. I see parents helping them. Praise God. Hosea 6, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. Now notice this. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is as established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. It's interesting. After two days, he will revive us. A thousand years, a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is two days. A thousand years is as a day. After, if, if, if you put that together, after 2,000 years, he will revive us. And at the beginning of the third thousand years, he will raise us up to live in his sight. Do you know that Jesus went to the cross 1986 to 89 to 1990 years ago? If you go back, and because of the, the formulation of calendars and counting, you know, everybody has a different opinion, but it's somewhere around 1,986 to 1,990 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. After two years, after 2,000 years, he will revive us. Something to think about. And I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put a whole lot of of emphasis on that, except Peter said to. He said, do not forget this one thing that a thousand, in connection with the return of the Lord, that a thousand years is a day and a day is as a thousand years. Telling church, we're, we're close. We're real close. So you're saying, Pastor, we've got about 1,500, I mean, about 15 years to goof off? No, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we've got a lot of work to do. We're in that generation, praise God, that I believe will be here when Jesus returns to catch away the saints. Hallelujah. One, like I said this morning from Philip's translation, one shout from the archangel. One blast from the trumpet of God and the Lord himself will descend from heaven and we'll be called up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Could it be this close? We see the signs that are, that are being fulfilled. We see things uh, being uh, coming to pass that is setting the stage like never before in human history. Glory to God. He's coming back, church. He's coming back. He's coming back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, calls us, help us to be mindful of the time we're living in. Help us to keep it in our consciousness, to be aware of it, to 
live every day aware that Jesus is soon to return. Praise God. Father, there are so many things in our lives that distract these days. There's so much to do. There's so much to think about. There's so much to contemplate. There's so much to see. There's so much learning. There's so much knowledge. There's so much activity. And these things are are huge distractions to us. Keeps our minds pulled away from what's really important. But we do not need to forget this one thing that Jesus is coming back soon. And we want to be ready. Not in the sense that we would be left behind, but ready in the sense that we don't want to be ashamed at his coming because we didn't do what he called us to do. Because we didn't run our race. We didn't finish the race that was set before us. Because we were so mindful of natural things Things of this world entered in and choked the word. And we have come to that day empty-handed. Yes, we'll be saved. But what about the others? What about people around us? Help us, Father, to live aware that the reason we have time left so that we might be a light to other people. That we might be witnesses to people around us. That's why we're here. We're helpers in this harvest. But we can't lose sight of the hour. We can't lose sight of the time we're living in. We can't, if we do, we'll not bring the fruit will not come bearing the fruit that we should. will not have the offering to offer up to God with what he's given us, the gifts, the abilities that he's placed in us. We won't be able to come before him and bring much of a return at all. We want to hear good, well done, good and faithful servant. You were, you were steward over a little. You were faithful with what I gave you. Over a little, I'll make you rulers over much. That's what we want to hear, Father. Help us to be faithful with what we have. The time we have, the witness that we have, the testimony. We talked about that this morning. The testimony that each of us have. Help us, Father, to be good stewards of those things you've given us for the purpose of bringing in the harvest. Glory to God. And we thank you, Father, for a mighty, 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 mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our time, Lord. We ask for it. We ask for it. We put our faith for it. But we also know, Father, that we We have to first be ready ourselves. We have to first be in position for this revival to take place because you're going to use us. You're going to use us in this revival. We have a part to play, so we have to get ourselves ready, stir ourselves up, consecrate, be diligent to sharpen ourselves become proficient in what you've given us glory to God help us Father to be the church that we should be in this last days Father in Jesus name Amen praise God
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.